There's a code I live by. There is? It goes like this. Sometimes the ride can be more exciting than the destination. Oh, yeah, that's I wish that like had you. been my yearbook quote. I wish it had been. <laughs> Instead, my quote was, please don't hit me. No. Hey, <laughs> well, guess what? I'm bringing up all this for a reason. The 2024 <laughs> Nissan Pathfinder can take you from muddy jungle paths to rolling sand dunes. But it's not about where you go. Don't you get it? In a Pathfinder, the real excitement comes from getting there. Yeah. It's the journey, man. Chase bigger adventures with Pathfinder. Seven drive modes and available intelligent four-wheel drive. Seven drive modes. That's a lot of drive modes. Well, specifically seven, yeah. Yeah. And bring the fun with you with Pathfinder's 6,000 pounds of towing capacity. And I love to tow. 6,000 pounds. What? I like to tow stuff. You don't tow anything. Yes, I do. I'm going to buy a boat tomorrow and tow it. (laughs) I'll never put it in the water, but I'll tow it and I'll use it. I'll tow it in my Pathfinder. Hey, visit (laughs) NissanUSA.com to learn more. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Towing capacity varies by configuration. See Nissan Towing Guide and Owner's Manual for additional information. Always secure cargo. You got to secure cargo. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hear me? I did. I heard you. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. You just say that and they show up. They come jumping out of a shrub. Oh, cool. No matter where you are in life, when you need the coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My name is Tiffany Haddish, and I feel amazing about being Conan's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends, yes I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, the podcast where I, Conan, um, well, I'm part of a never-ending quest to find real friends, make connections in a world that I think's gone quite insane. I'm joined uh, today, as always, uh, Mr. Matt Gorley. Hi, Captain. Yep, thank you, sir. And of course, um, on this voyage, because uh, Sona uh, had to depart the ship temporarily in order to have children in the lifeboat and raise them for a while and then I hope come back, which she will. I don't know why she, we're going with the boat analogy still, mm-hmm. but uh, we have one of the deckhands who swabs the deck, always a chipper <laughs> smile on his face, has been brought up from the very bowels of the ship, mm-hmm. covered in soot and grime, mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to take the place of the temporarily absent Sona, who's uh, birthed twins, Mikey and Charlie, in a boat. We lowered into the sea. I don't know why she couldn't have had the twins on our boat, but again, this is my fault. I took the analogy way, way too far. Mm-hmm. We don't even know what boat she's on now. She's on a small boat. We put her out to sea, and then she will row back once the children have. Wait, we put her in a boat in a little dinghy. She goes out by herself and delivers twins, and then is supposed to row back to the our boat. Well, I think Sona's very hardy person. She's very. Sona has punched me many times. I'm not worried about Sona. I'm worried that we made her do this. Oh, no, no, no. You know? No, no, no. For contractually, I have to point out, and legally, I didn't make her do this. I, just as part of this analogy, I said, I think it's best if you go have 
the twins on a small dinghy out at sea so that I can report, record the podcast on the main ship here and we'll have David, the mm-hmm. lowly deckhand, uh, take over for you while you're um, pushing two children out of you alone in a boat. <laughs> Floating in the South Pacific. This just seems like a lawsuit waiting to happen. I'm trying to, yeah. God damn it. I'm doing my best. I love analogies. I love to stay true to them. Mm-hmm. And I tried to go with this and then you guys forced me into this. No, we'll stay with yeah. it. I think we're going to mutiny though. Oh, you're going to mutiny? Yeah. What do you, do you have a, uh, do you have a, do you have a tweed saber you're going to hit me with? Oh, okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? All right. You're going to take away my subscription to NPR. Is that what you're going to do? I get it. And give you your subscription to Boomer Magazine? Oh, nice. That's what my son says all the time to me now, Boomer. Boomer. <laughs> Can I say you something? You do point out people's looks a lot like a Boomer, though. Can I say something, please? Yeah. Uh, okay, I get it. I guess I'm the old man. Guess what? Yeah. This old man served his country pretty bravely in the Falklands. I didn't see you doing much. The war that England fought? Yeah. Yeah, I was visiting England at the time as a <laughs> college student. And uh, when the call came that there was a minor skirmish in a weird part of the world that everyone's forgotten, I was there for England. Okay? okay. S- second of I'm all- I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. I don't like- My son calls me Boomer all the time. And everything I do, he says, Boomer, Boomer. And I looked it up. I'm not a boomer. Are you not? Well, they Are technically- you Generation X? No, I think I should be. I'm right on the line between a boomer and Gen X. And mm. I don't like it. I think the line runs right through like 1963, which is when oh. I'm born. Mm. Yeah. And so I think of a boomer as someone who was at Woodstock, okay? And I was pooping my diapers at Woodstock. Well, I mean, I was I 30, think- but- uh, <laughs> Get it, folks? <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't- uh, I think of boomers as people that were saying, yeah, I'm going off to see Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I'll be back later, and then I'm going to join the Manson cult. To me, that's a boomer, okay? I'm seeing here that the boomers are 1946 to 64. So why? technically, you are a boomer. <laughs> but why? But listen, I'm so soundly in the middle of the Generation X generation that I can let you in, but you have to be asked in like a vampire. Ooh. So you still got to start being nice to me. And you know, can I, be a, just- can I be a Gen Xer, please? Is there a test? Yeah, there's a bit of a test. Okay. Well, I don't like, you admit I did get screwed a little bit on the timing of, I think 64 is going way too late for boomers. Because how can a boomer encompass someone who was born just as World War II was ending and me? That's ridiculous. Who came of age, you know, watching Scooby-Doo cartoons. That's insane. That's I, way I know, too but yet there is a divide between you and me. Look, I'm wearing flannel like a grunge guy. Everything about you says grunge. <laughs> everything, everything about you says, I just remember you were there in 91 in Seattle. Remember when it was all going down? Oh, yeah, you can see like you in, in the background a lot. <laughs> well, I was in Whittier listening to Wilson Phillips. <laughs> it's so funny. Whenever I hear Whittier, I think of Nixon, you know? Yeah. You grew up blocks from Nixon's house, and I just love that you used to listen to Wilson Phillips with an aging Richard Nixon. <laughs> Would he come over to your house? Oh, is Matt here? Uh, yes, former President Nixon. He's, uh, he's, he's in the basement. Is, is, he listening to, is he listening to Wilson Phillips? Yes, he is listening to Wilson Phillips. Oh, I'd very much like to join him down there. I think it's uh, quite a trio. Are you a carny or a china? I'm a... I like China. Good God, the gams on that lady. 
Are we taping this, by the way? <laughs> first podcast. That was the first podcast ever. You could argue was the Nixon tapes. That's the first oh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when you listened to the Nixon tapes? I don't because I wasn't alive as uh, I was a Generation X. I know you're Generation Xer, but yeah. they're called tapes and you can listen okay. to them later on. I know. I know. Yeah. I yeah. Know. So you're probably unfamiliar with anything. Um, I'll tell you about Glenn Miller someday. There's actually a way to listen to that music, even though you weren't okay. alive at the time. But you know, think about it. The Nixon tapes really are the first podcast, and it would have been very funny if he had done it. If you were listening to it and you heard him doing at taking Just a break to do ads, yeah. Uh. So he's ta- he's so Nixon's in the Oval Office and he's talking to Haldeman and Ehrlichman, and he's like, "Well, you know, we gotta get these these bastards. We gotta get them where it hurts. Well, how much money would it cost to, to get into break into the Watergate Hotel? Well, we could we have a team that would do it, and it would cost about this much. Well, we could get that money. Yeah, we could get that money. Yeah." Well, just uh, hang on just a second here. Uh, it just rem- puts me in mind of, uh, I'm looking at a photograph here of my uh, lovely wife, Pat, and I'm thinking, wouldn't it be nice if this this photograph was on glass? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> well, let me tell you, it can be. Fracture prints. With fracture prints, you'll get this wonderful picture of Pat or, or one of the Eisenhower boys or your dog Checkers, and you can have it on glass. So that when Pat Boone comes by the Oval Office to swap stories, you can show him pictures and they're on glass preserved for all time. Anyway, fracture. Anyway, back to you, Ehrlichman Haldeman. How do we get these fuckers? We gotta get in there and we gotta get get those goddamn Pentagon papers back. There's gotta be a way to store papers. And I'll tell you one thing. If you want to keep track of papers, you'll need the right software to do it. And that software, I don't even... I wish Conan was a better improviser and could come up with a fucking company. <laughs> what is it, Matt? What's a good software company? Uh, uh, QuickBooks. There you go. QuickBooks. Oh, yeah, QuickBooks software. That way you can keep track. You can get the Pentagon Papers that uh, Daniel Ellsberg stole. You can get them and you can keep them on Quicken. You can also keep track of all your slush funds with their accounting app. <laughs> And this enables you to then take that money and you can send it to those Cubans right away without having to put it through the mail. Anyway, back to the podcast. Today's episode, we're going to get those fuckers. Those fuckers, we're going to hit them and hit them hard. I swear to God, I can do nine hours (laughs) of Nixon's podcast. Please, Uh. if you liked Nixon's podcast riff, please encourage me to do it some more because I've never been happier. <laughs> it's a spinoff. It really makes me yeah. happy. Well, our first guest today, of course, uh, this is, of course, Dick Nixon needs a friend and God, let me tell you, I really do. I've been president of the United States. I'm now safely in my second term. Haven't got a goddamn, well, of course, there's uh, Reverend Billy Graham, but, you know, he's kind of a fair weather friend. Doesn't call when things are going low. Anyway, I should get on to my first guest today. My guest today is, a, is an Emmy Award-winning actress and comedian. You know from the movie Girls Trip. Oh, God, I saw that with Pat. We walked out. We didn't understand any of it. And, of course, the TBS series The Last OG. Oh, I wish I understood what that meant. OG Gordon Liddy. OG Gordon. Oh, that must be about G. Gordon Liddy. You're right. The Last OG. OG Gordon Liddy. I love it. Now you can see her in the new film, The Card Counter. Oh, I'm going to see that. They're going to screen that tonight in the bowling alley. Underneath, uh, underneath the West Wing. I'm so excited she's with us today. I'm going to switch uh, my voice back to Conan soon, but good God. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, welcome. You know, it's funny because I was thinking about you today because I was so excited that I get to talk to you. 
I love you. I love your story. I love your energy. And I'm just delighted that you're here. Thank Seriously. You. Well, I'm absolutely. delighted to be here with you. I love you. Well, okay. And your dance. Oh, okay, yes. I got the crazy. <laughs> I the, the, love that dance. <laughs> the string dance. <laughs> I love it. Man, yes. If I go to, when I go to my grave, people will be like, what did he do? He did that dance. <laughs> Anything else I do. Um, it's so funny because over the years, I've worked a lot with your friend, Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. And I see these points that are very similar with you and Kevin, you both lean into this positivity and put all this energy into what you're doing 140%. And I believe in that. And I think, uh, I don't know if you see that, if you see the the ways in which you and Kevin are kind of similar. Oh yeah, I definitely see how similar we are, but I also see how different we are. But right. um, Well, you're much I, taller than Kevin. Well, much taller, <laughs> way better looking. Uh, also, you don't yell at me. And everything yell. I've ever done with Kevin, all he does is yell at me. Well, because it's like a little man chewing out a giant. <laughs> it's David and Goliath. Yes, <laughs> you know? it's true. But... Um, for me, I mean, I, I I like to shout and stuff too, but I, I try to be more sophisticated with it from time to time, especially with men. You know, yes. um, you know, I don't want to yell at men unless they do something dumb. Right. And um, but I am loud, um, and that's because I'm partially deaf because I've been through things. At least I think I'm partially deaf. Do you I, really think you're partially deaf? I'm pretty sure I'm deaf in my left ear. I think I, like I talk really loud um, mm-hmm. and I try to talk softer, but then I feel like can no, no one can hear me or I'm doing AMSR. You know, <laughs> I try to talk lower and um, I think I'm deaf in, in my left ear partially because like of the stuff my mom did. Because, uh, you know, you used to get when I used to get slapped, you get slapped. And oh. I think that messed up a little something. But also I think it's from alcohol because, you know, you go partially deaf when you drink. Yeah. And I think it stayed. Oh, seriously? I don't know. I just made that part up. <laughs> well, I think I was going to say. But think about it. Lo- thinking drunk of, people are always loud. Yes. Because you become partially deaf when you're intoxicated. Right. And, and also, I don't know if it's that, but it's also you think everything you're saying is so fantastic. It should be shouted out to the world. Don't you think it's partially that too? Maybe. Or is that cocaine? <laughs> I don't Maybe know. I don't know. I've never done cocaine. So I've never done know. cocaine either. But Let's I know, I know, fuck no, man. Putting <laughs> some in the cocaine. So many people are dying off of it, man. I know. But I was thinking about getting some cocaine seeds and growing those in my backyard. And then, because I'm a, I'm a Wait a minute, believer. cocaine seeds? Yeah. Matt, are there cocaine seeds? Well, isn't it yes. the cacao plant or whatever? Is that not right? Yeah, it comes know. from the cocaine plant. Um, Google never, it, Google it. I never thought that there was a cocaine plant. I just don't think of it. Where just, did cocaine come from? I just thought Do you think Al they Pacino just... had all of it. <laughs> it's Tony it has Montoya. to come from somewhere. It's, they say it comes from Columbia. That means it's a lot of it's sun. It's gotta it's be. I know, I wasn't it thinking. It grows somewhere. I just wasn't now, And I thinking. know that you can chew on cocaine sticks and it doesn't get you high like cocaine does, but it gives you energy like Red Bull. Right. Oh, here we well, go. See, Cocaine is a tropane alkaloid and stimulant drug obtained primarily from the leaves of two cocoa species. So I guess you're it right. Does. Okay. Yeah. So, right. so so you, I get two cocoa plants, plant those, grow them myself, then I smash them up, dehydrate them, smash them up, make the powder, and then make a tea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you doing this just because we started talking about it on this podcast. Well, I, I will not be doing any yeah, cocaine yeah, until I, I turn 70. When I turn 70 <laughs> is when I should be doing hard drugs because that's when the fibromyalgia will kick up, the 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 the, the arthritis, yep. all the poor joints and this stuff. Is, you know, this is a great idea that you have is 
this idea of because I've pretty much stayed uh, well, completely stayed away from drugs uh, all my life, and I think what you're saying appeals to me, which is maybe seventy two, seventy five. I start trying some stuff. Not nothing. Go not going crazy. Oh, I'm gonna go crazy. <laughs> oh, okay. Every week. Starting on my 70th birthday, <laughs> I'll try one new drug. I'll write a book about it. It should last about three months, uh-huh. maybe four. But <laughs> I'm fucking high out my mind. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. That's why I got to keep my body strong and healthy now. Yeah. So by the time I turn 70, I can try all the drugs and I still live and I can write a book or do a movie on it. (laughs) Call it Granny Granny So High. (laughs) You know, you should really, you should really should write this idea down as a book because I'm I'm telling you a lot of people would take it seriously. Right. But then it's like, okay, my first like first time trying mushrooms, that experience, LSD, you know, acid. Cocaine, crack, yeah. okay. just, every week it just accelerate. Crystal meth, yeah. you know. I'm I get, saving, I've already been smoking I'm, weed. I'm and, saving crack for my 90th birthday. <laughs> and I'm just going to do a, I'm going to go to a real crack den and I'm going to do crack at, at 90. I grew up around crack dens, so I'm cool on going to one. I'm going to do it in my mansion right, that exactly. I wonder why. Because if you're going to do crack, you got to do it like the best of them, okay? Got it, Yeah, Whitney did it. Right. And she was in a mansion when she did it. Yeah, I yeah. think. And you, think? I, you haven't I, done a lot of research on this. I haven't. I mean, I just know that she said, "Where are the receipts?" <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Show me the receipts. Was this on her reality show? I can't remember. I don't know. She did an interview with somebody, and yeah. they was like, "Is it true that you're Brian Crack?" And she said, "Show me the receipts. <laughs> Where are the receipts at?" You don't often get a receipt, I'm guessing, when you buy crack. I don't think so, but I know you can get one when you buy weed nowadays. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, now weed has become like getting a fine wine. Right. It, I mean, especially here in Los Angeles. It's, it's, it's amazing. I used to have to spend two hours just to get some weed, just to get a little baggie, a little eighth of weed, because you have to go to the weed man house. Then you got to talk to him, make him laugh, try to get a discount. Next thing you know, two hours and went by, and then you finally get your weed, and then you're like, dang, now I got to go to work. I can't smoke it till I get off work. I love that you said you go to the weed man and you got to make him laugh. And it occurs to me, and I know this about you, but you figured out early in your life that you had this gift and that it could literally saved your life. Definitely. I figured it out pretty young. When about 10, 9, 10, mm-hmm. um, with my mom, I noticed, because she would say things like, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to beat your ass. As soon as we get to the house, I'm going to beat your ass. If I could make her laugh four or five times before we get to the house, she forget about the beating the ass threat Wow. Until later on, usually you know, it's like a surprise. And then she go, Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I owe you an ass whooping. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. Uh, but it's like uh, it, that was a, t- a technique to like distract her. And then I saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the detective says to the rabbit, why are these people doing this ni- these nice things for you? He said, because I make them laugh, Eddie. If you make people laugh, they'll do anything for you. And I was like, oh, that's the ticket. That's how I'm going to get help with my homework. That's how I'm going to get somebody to save me. That's how I'm going to get, like, that's how I'm going to get a husband and all these cool things I was thinking, you know? And I, it did work. I was able to get kids to, like, I couldn't read that good. I couldn't mm-hmm. really read at all. So 
um, I would use my ability of memory and my my charisma and my funniness to get boys with deep voices to read to me. And I would memorize every single word they said and I'd stare in their mouths. And why like, do they wow. need to have deep voices? This Why am I excluded from this? You have a deep voice. No, I have a terrible, I don't no. like my voice. But, but, no, I, but if we were in school, yeah. I would tell you you had a deep voice. Oh. It would be deep to me. And I would believe you too. Because I'd be like, oh man, Conan. Your bro- your yes. your voice is so cool. You think so, Tiffany? Oh man, I love to hear you talk. Your laugh is the best laugh. Hey, can you do me a favor? Sure, I will do anything for you, Tiffany. Really? Awesome, awesome. Can you read this paragraph to me? Of really, course. this whole page? Yes, I will. Oh, cool. It was a dark and stormy night. Oh, <laughs> keep reading, keep going. You are so good. Man, you are, it's it's incredible. I've seen you do it, uh, uh, you know, in movies and on television. And, uh, and, I, and I got to chat with you briefly at a TBS backstage thing once. Yes. And I walked away from that experience and just was saying, she is like the nicest person I've ever met. And I've met some really nice people, but I just had a great talk with you backstage and you have the power. It really is incredible to be sitting right across from you and watch you lock in. It's a, it's like a crazy, you know, 10,000 watt beam hitting me. <laughs> it's really fantastic. Well, because I also, I care about whoever I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. If I didn't like you or I don't care, um, I'm a total bitch. Is that true? I'm so fucking rude. <laughs> Because I start saying exactly what I think. Yeah. And then some people are like, oh my God, Tiffany. Tiffany's nice to some people. She's such a fucking bitch. And I'm like, well, I don't like you. Right. You're a fucking liar. Really? People be lying to me. And they think I'm, I, I think people think I don't pay attention. That I don't know anybody. Or that I haven't read a book or, you know, uh, have an understanding of how business goes. Uh, I think people think because I'm funny and silly and sweet that I don't understand business. And I'm a businesswoman first, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and I'm cool and everything. Then when you disrespect or you, you go behind my back, you stab me. Well, now I turn into a vicious beast. Right. And I don't play no games. And I will right. call, I'll be like, look, you a lying ass bitch, straight up. So I don't even know why you're talking to me. Did you have this... Um... I can't remember exactly who said it. It might have been Nathaniel West, but he said, Hollywood's the only town where you can die of enthusiasm, meaning people around you just saying, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best, but nothing happens and they don't mean it or they don't really help you. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, that that was the beginning of my career where I was not the best. I was not the best. They're like, you're amazing. You're great, Tiffany. You're so beautiful. And, And like people try to sleep with you. And I'm like... If I was so great, why are you trying to fuck me and not trying to make money off of me, mm-hmm. right? If somebody really thinks you're great and amazing, like in the, I feel like in this business, they're gonna try to make money with you and fuck you too, right? Right. Um, not just fuck you and then be like, oh, we'll get to the money part. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> get to the money first. That make me wet. Um, and I, I used to love saying that all the time. Like, you tell them that, <laughs> yeah, right. tell them, yeah, because comics would be like, I'm like, hey, can I open up for you? And they'd be like, ah, uh, uh, well, uh, well, Tiffany, I mean, are you going to open up them legs? Like, I remember one comic said that to me, and I was like, open up my legs to do stage time? That's stupid. That's unbelievable, too. I mean, no, I, I know it's completely believable. Real. Yeah. And they're like, well, you pretty. I don't know if you're really going to be that funny. I'm like... You have seen me do sets. If you don't think I'm funny, just say no. But if you're trying to fuck me, well, no, you got to pay me to fuck me and you got to pay me to do stage time. I'm going to need $100,000. <laughs> 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 like, 
Tiffany, my price is so much lower. (laughs) First of all, no one's ever tried to fuck me. (laughs) Everyone's always like, let's get this straight. We want to make money off you and with you, but we don't want to see your naked body. That was always made very clear up front. Uh, But it was really hard, though, because especially being young, you know, I was like 19, 20 years old. And um, I, w- I definitely went through my whole phase, mm-hmm. but I was on some like, I'm only going to fuck people that I think can do something for me or that I want to fuck. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be something that they can do for me that I can't do for myself. So I was able to book myself in different comedy clubs. I was able to get rooms and do shows. So I felt like, well, I can book myself for shows. I, I, don't, I can get myself on stage, so I don't need to fuck you to get on stage. But if I think you're hot, or whatever. I think I might bust a nut, then I might fuck. So, uh, yeah, but most of the time, no, I was mostly fucking dope dealers because uh, they could pay for my acting classes. Is that true? Yeah. So the dope dealers would pay for, for my acting classes, okay. and also they was gangster, you know, and I had, they were bad boys. Yeah. So you like the uh, bad boys? I did then. Now I like now. I'm my my taste has changed. You know, yeah. unlike men, um, I, my my flavor, my taste changes over time. Mm-hmm. I think men, once y'all turn twenty one, that's the type of woman you always want. That's what I think. What you think? Well, I'm going to have to clear this with my wife, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Y'all moves don't change or nothing change, like nothing evolves. No, I, I, men don't evolve. Uh, I mean, y'all evolve like financially, Well, you know what, mentally, we, ev- we but- evolve somewhat and kind of in a, I think one of the things that scientifically, I learned this a while ago, men testosterone levels fall over time. Mm-hmm. Now, I never had a ton of it. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get one thing straight. I think you did. I had, I had I my share, did. but I didn't have like a double dose. And you see these people out there that have just, they're, they're men that who, testosterone makes them crazy in their mm-hmm. teens and 20s. And yeah. all they can think about is sex. Yeah, but your sex moves don't change. You guys no. still do it. This like grab left titty, move shirt over. <laughs> like, fucking it hasn't evolved since fucking 17, 21. You know what I'm saying? Grab booty cheeks, smile in her face, tell her she smells good. <laughs> Ask her if you can taste her. Like, I have all of this. I've had all of this written on my hands since I was 19 years old. I can't believe you just said it in the right order, too. Damn it. Crab left kitty. Yes, number one. Crab left suck right. Every now and then it starts to fade out and I have to rewrite it again in a Sharpie. And my wife's like, you don't need that anymore, you yeah, ass. You're like on automatic. We've been married 20 years. Yeah. She's like, make a mistake and try something different. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Yes, yes. Uh, oh but my. That, 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 that's my assumption from my experience in life. And I only come to that conclusion because, like, some of the dudes that I slept with when I was, like, 19 and 20, I went ahead and tried out again in my mid to late 30s. And they was doing the same fucking moves. Right. And I was like, you haven't fucked enough bitches to come up with some new shit? <laughs> like, let's, don't you watch porn? You ain't getting no new moves, bro? Like, you still doing the same thing? Like, Look, that's why I stopped fucking with your ass in the first place, because you was doing these dumb ass moves. For like, your I mean, homework, I need you to go watch a lot of porn. <laughs> I mean, yeah. none of the library. Watch, but maybe maybe just try something different. Right. Think outside the box a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Sona, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform. And one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. (laughs) I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified Unified business business management management suite. suite. You said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com. Slash Conan. Is your money just sitting around being lazy? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't like Get that. Get a job, money. No, that's not what I oh. meant. But in a way, it is what I meant. Okay. That's a good point, Sona. You have hard-earned cash, and it should always be working towards a better financial future for you. Your money shouldn't be sitting around you know, watching reruns on TV and eating nachos, it should be working for you. Well, guess what? Robinhood pioneered commission-free stock trading over a decade ago. They continue to offer innovative products to help you maximize your money's potential. That's good. You gotta have that money working for you, man. Yeah. With over 23 million funded customers, Robinhood is helping people build a better financial future. With Robinhood, it's simple to make investments towards your future goals, whatever those may be. We all have some bucket list items to cross off and Robinhood has tools to help you pursue them. Investing a small amount now could make a big difference 30 years down the road. That's good. Isn't that a nice thing? Give yourself 30 years from now a gift of what you do now. (laughs) It's nice to be in the driver's seat and have autonomy when making investments, which is easy to do with Robinhood. Take your financial future by the reins. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. Investing involves risk and loss principle is possible. Remember that? Other fees may apply. Returns are not guaranteed. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. I feel like my testosterone levels have gone up though. 
Yes. And so um, yeah. I'm a lot more aggressive. And those same comics that were like telling me I couldn't open up for them, now they're asking me to hook them up with spots and stuff. And I'm like, Kim, will you open up your legs? Now, that's a question I was going to ask Will you spread you. those cheeks, sir? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> now, what would go in there? Uh, yeah. I well, got a few ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a flashlight in my car. Uh, my question is, yeah, okay, people have these fantasies of someday the role is going to be reversed. And sadly, for a bunch of people, it never happens. For you, it's happened in this spectacular way. What do you say when you encounter? someone today who you know for a fact told you spread your legs you can get on stage I say uh, will you spread yours do you really say that I have said that to some I have said it and or uh, (laughs) somebody was like yo Tiff I want to do this show with you and uh, I'll host it and then I'll bring you out like you be the headliner and I'll bring you out and I was like like you're introducing Tiffany Haddish no no you need me Right. And no, because when I needed you, it was really inappropriate how you came and you were really mean. And I'm going to do this the nicest way possible. No, unfortunately, I can't. I want to, but I can't because I really don't want to. Yeah. But there is a little part of me that because I want to the the young side of me, the little girl, the young girl, you know, the 20 something year old girl wanted to work with that person. Right. Right. That would that would have been a dream come true for her. But then the way that she was treated and mishandled, and and for a lot of young women in comedy, they will they would go for that. They'd be like, "Cool, I'll, sure," and then nothing ever happens, right? And then a little piece of your soul is gone, yeah. right? I think I've, I'm a firm believer, and every time you sleep with someone, a little piece of your soul goes. They take a little piece with you, with them. And you take a little piece of that person with you. Sometimes it's some crazy motherfuckers and mean, not good people. And you got to carry that around and this little piece of you gone. So I'd rather give a little piece of myself to somebody I want to be around, want to lay down with. Mm -hmm. Not so that I can entertain the world or not so that I can get some some sum of money or whatever. I have to want to give a piece of myself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are some some raggedy dudes I have given a piece of myself to for no money at all, <laughs> for mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. Just because I thought they looked good or they made me laugh or they made me feel safe in that moment, right? And I learned some valuable lessons from it. Um, and what I have immensely learned is my success is the best revenge I could ever give to anyone. And I don't have to share it. That's fantastic. I think there are so many people in this business that have success and it makes them feel, for whatever reason, guilty. They feel like a fraud. They feel like, well, it's Because they fuck somebody to get there, probably. Well, but I think it's more complicated than that. I think there are people that just think success in general, why me? And you have about as clear-eyed a view on it as anyone I've met. But success is like every day you wake up, you're successful, right? right? And it's what you decide it is. And it's what you decide you deserve, right? Right. And if it's a little more than what you decided you deserve, well, wow, that's that's great. That's a fantastic attitude. That's the best. Yeah. But it's heavy. Success is heavy. Yeah. And you got to be strong enough to carry it. So I think when people feel like, why me? Well, it's because it's so heavy and you got to keep up the, keep it up. Right. And if it's, if you weren't uh, prepared, mm-hmm. well, it's like, it's, it's not as wonderful as you thought it would be. Well, also there are so many people that I don't think they like themselves at their core. <sighs> and so they think if I can get the Tesla or the Bugatti, if I can get the big house, 
if people recognize me when I go into a restaurant, that's going to take care of this feeling I have. <laughs> and it doesn't, it actually makes it worse. It makes it way worse. There's, you know, if you go to Google and you go put in, how do I, right? Don't push enter, just put in, how do I? Mm-hmm. The number one search thing is love myself. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing people are trying to do is love themselves. And that's really the number one thing you got to do before you can do anything else. Right. I am constantly on a daily basis working on getting rid of the programming that my mother put into me yeah. every fucking day. And what was her programming? Uh, that you're ugly like your daddy. You're not good enough. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're never going to be shit like your daddy. Yeah. Like it's, it's so many things. Uh, what are you, an idiot? You can't just do the simple pay attention like all these things and so I get in the mirror and I um and I talk to my therapist every week but I get in the mirror every day and I try to I imagine that every cell in my body is a little computer right and you program that cell with the words that you say and the thoughts that you have um and the feelings that you feel and as a as a human you can change your mood you can change it like mm-hmm. really quick. I mean, I learned that from Instagram. Because one second I'm looking at a picture and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Next second I'm laughing. Next second I'm watching somebody die and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? So your emotions can change pretty quick. And you can decide because you're in control of this machine, this human machine. So I'll get in the mirror and I'll look at myself in the eyeballs. I don't look at anything else. Look at the darkest part of my eyes. And I go, Tiffany Haddish, I love and approve of you. Tiffany Haddish, I love and approve of you. And sometimes I cry so hard because yeah. I'm not in a love and approval mode. I'm not feeling that way. In the mo- like the moon is full and my hormones is all over the place and I want to fuck 17 dudes and I'm bleeding. Like whatever. It's a <laughs> shit's going on. But I have it's to really read. 17. I'm <laughs> sorry. I know you're on a roll sometimes. here and this is very profound, but 17. Sometimes. I All mean, right. I'm a 40-something-year-old woman, okay? <laughs> I feel like I'm an 18-year-old boy on the inside. I will fuck everything. But I have integrity and dignity, uh-huh. and I will not. <laughs> but there's a part of me. <laughs> Fifteen, maybe, yeah. <laughs> poor common, poor common. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Take your clothes off now. It's like, baby girl, relax, relax, calm down. Do you want some water? Calm down. <laughs> Do we need to get common in here to talk you off the ledge? <laughs> no, I've become strong enough to talk myself off the ledge. Uh, uh-huh. But um, it's just some. So I think every woman deals with sure. it. Um, every healthy woman, anyways. When you get to a certain age, you're like, ah, and like you guys are coming down and we're going up. Yes. That's why we got batteries. But um, (laughs) (laughs) back to the profoundness. Solar Uh, power. Sometimes when things get too deep, I crack jokes so I don't cry. Um, Yeah. But But that's, uh, you know, this is what I admire so much about you is that you are an extremely energized, hardworking, and relentlessly positive person. But you're also wise. You need to have the wisdom sometimes of the things that you've been through that you carry with you. And I think you you do that really beautifully. You contain all of that at the same time, which I think is not an easy thing to do. But no, it's very difficult. And like I forgive, uh, which is I think the hardest thing to do in the world is forgive. But I never forget. I was going to say the same thing. I am the same way. I, I will never forget. forget. <laughs> That's the problem. I'm an elephant. I never forget. I want to have the mind of an ant. Just remember moments. Yeah. But I cannot. So what about, what did you go through, Tiffany? Like, it's your dream 
like after something like when you do a girl's trip and it's just everything explodes for you and you're having like you've arrived and everybody's just talking about this electric performance. Some people might struggle with that. Did you struggle with that at all? Were you just ready? Like, thank I you. I was ready. Yeah. I had I had been planning and plotting. I don't know if people noticed, but like, soon as Girls Trip came out, like shortly thereafter, like a month later, my special came out. And then two months after that, my book came out. Yep. And then a month after that, the Carmichael show came back. Like, I had been plotting and scheming and planning for years. I love that. But I didn't know, I, I knew I knew my special would come, when it, I'm like, whatever movie is the movie, then I'm going to drop my special right after that movie. I always knew that. When I was on the set of Girls Trip, like the fourth day, I'm like, I know the chemistry is good. I don't know if this movie's going to do great, but it'd be a great way for me to drop my special after this because I'm with these four, I mean, well, these three, you know, huge black female stars. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody's going to watch that special after this. And that does, to me, prove that, you know, deep down... (laughs) You really do trust yourself. You'd been working on this for a long time. Right. You had like a, you were like a general with a military plan. Yeah, and, and kept it, losing a lot of battles. <laughs> <laughs> kept losing a lot of battles. A lot of battles. Like, got a lot of no's. But you know what? You have a great quote on that, which is, the rejection is my protection. Yes. And I love that quote of yours because I know exactly what you're talking about, which is, yes, you got a lot of no's and you got a lot of things that didn't go your way and you made that work for you. Like when, uh, SNL. Man, I auditioned so many times. I just knew I was going to be like, oh, I would be so good on that show. And they kept telling me no. And I was like, damn, why, why, why? Why don't they want me? And then I get to host. And I'm like, thank you, God, for not letting me work on this show. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> I would have went to jail. Yeah. Because I am a control freak. Like, Oh, my ideas aren't being heard. My da- I would I would have quit. I would have ran like I would have. I don't know what I would have did. I would have not been good though. Also, if you could go back in time and you could get SNL, other things change too. Yeah. So then maybe there is no girls' trip. Maybe a lot of other things don't happen. And then the way it worked out, you came back to SNL as a host and win an Emmy for it. Right. That's sweeter. Way sweeter. It was the most valuable lesson I ever learned, I feel like, besides how to wipe my ass and wash my body. That was one of the most valuable lessons. Everything that you want is not for you, Mm -hmm. and you will get what you need in due time. Yes. And there's so many movies and TV shows I've auditioned for that, you know, I'm like, I was I would walk out of that audition like, ah, I killed it. And I'll find out they give it to somebody else, and I'm like, what? What? And then I said, Tiffany? It's okay. You got two more auditions tomorrow. You got three more auditions. Then I see the show on TV and I'm like, well, thank God I wasn't in that because that's a piece of shit. (laughs) But also look at it this way. What if you get when you're 25, what if you get on a sitcom and you've got a catchphrase and the sitcom does well and everyone knows you? As that kooky lady with the with the catchphrase, right. and then it goes off the air two years later, and then you're trying to reinvent restart your, yourself, reinvent yeah. yourself, and people say, "Say that line, right, from Silver Spoons or whatever." Right, you know? right, right. No, the success that you want sometimes can completely screw you over. Right, and you have to learn how to reinvent yourself. It's so funny because, like, uh, when I bombed, 
uh, the Miami show. And it was like the only thing they were talking about the New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy how like for two, three months, everybody's talking about me bombing. And Cat Williams is talking shit. Everybody's talking this shit. So when I do shoot my special, I said, I'm going to make this a focal point. I'm going to talk about my failure. My desire, my bad day at work. Because if every time I make a mistake, I learn so much from it. And it makes me grow. When I meet people that that are perfect, I'm like, oh, they must be an alien. Yeah. Because, or you're hiding fucking and, kids and also, in the basement or yeah, something. Yeah, and what's more boring than that, too? Yeah. It's boring. Like, come on. So I use it to my advantage, then boom, get a Grammy for that. How, how, how about them pot of beans? How are you talking about, I ain't funny. Uh, Cat Williams, where's your motherfucking Grammy, sir? <laughs> By the way, Cat Williams. Uh, my favorite. Yeah. Cat uh, Williams once canceled on my show like five minutes before the show. And so I just, we just thought, oh, I hope he's okay. He was, then we find out from tourists downstairs, oh, he's been hanging around in the lobby <laughs> 30 Rock talking to people and taking pictures. And they went, wait a minute, he's fucking in the lobby? <laughs> he's having a good time. And he's having a good time talking to people. <laughs> I actually thought it was very funny. It just, I, I don't know. I, I At the time, I don't even remember being mad. And I thought, that is Cat Williams. Yeah, yeah. I can't make it to, sorry, Conan, I can't make it. Um, I'm enjoying my wish fans. I, wish I could, he didn't say what he was doing. We just heard he can't make it. And we assumed, oh, he's, mm -hmm. in, he's in the hotel and he's not feeling whatever. Mm -hmm. So family, someone died. Mm -hmm. No, he's in the lobby, <laughs> one elevator right away, walking around, <laughs> shaking hands with people and taking pictures. He's enjoying himself. <laughs> he's enjoying the fruits of his labor. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. he probably had more fun doing that than talking to me on the late night show. It would have been hilarious as if you guys would have came down with a camera. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't find out till later. Oh, I would have loved that. That would have been great. If I could have, if I'd have known, I'd have dashed on there with cameras and said, Kat, what are you doing? And <laughs> I'm sure he would have been hilarious. He would have been like, been. yeah, I didn't want to get on the elevator. <laughs> It wasn't my thing. It was thing. like, it's my fans. I don't want to leave my fans behind. If we're going to do this interview, we got to do it with all of them around us. These are my people. This is my crew. And then he could roast on them individually. But, but like, also, great. you know, when you talk about making that decision, there'd be so many people, very highly paid people around you who would say, we move on from this. We don't talk about so bombing. So many people yes. told me not to talk about don't it. Don't talk do about it. it. And well, you know what? They're wrong. Mm -hmm. Because when you get up there and they say, oh, Tiffany spoke about her mm -hmm. bad night and what was going on. Right. Suddenly they love you more than they did before. Right. Or like how um, uh, one of my friends was like, I'm finished. Well, she's not my friend no more, but she was like, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to tell everybody how you slept with this person and that person. You did this. And I was like, bitch, you ain't read my book. I already talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> I already talked about it. You so stupid. You so stupid. Like I figure if I just talk my truth, just say what it is. Like it's like, I love you that. Can't, there's no weapon that you can hold against me except for like an actual gun or a spear or something. Like you're going to have to choke a shit out of me because I'm going to tell the truth. I love, you know what I love? I love someone trying to blackmail you and, and you get an, you, you sort of get an anonymous call like, Tiffany Haddish, if you don't give us $100,000, we're going to report. And you go like, oh, no, no, it's on page, yeah. chapter, <laughs> yeah. it's on chapter eight, page yeah. 152. Uh, oh, man, somebody <laughs> tried to hit me. Like, we did a, I did an old sketch back in the day, and the sketch is horrible. And I did it with another comic, and it, it's a horrible sketch. And now they're trying to, like, they're like, 
I'm going to put it out there that you did this sketch and I want to get paid off and you're going to have to give me money. And I'm like, oh, OK, can you put that in writing? And I took it right over to the FBI. Right. You're trying to blackmail me. That's that's your extortion. Right? right. Took that right over to the people's like, I'm not giving up no money for bad art. It was horrible art. I, hey, put me in jail. Fuck it. Like, what you going to do? Are you going to be canceled? Nope. Nobody can cancel me but God and myself. Because right. there's always going to be, you can say, we're not going to put you on TV anymore. We're not going to, we're not going to put you on, you're not going to be allowed to perform in live shows anymore. Okay, cool. I could work in the Santa Monica Pier, give me an outdoor performing license. I could perform anywhere. I'll buy me a fucking restaurant and turn that into a venue. Somebody going to come and see me though. Just like there's people that want to go see Bill Cosby right now, which I think is fucking crazy, but I would kind of want to watch too. Yeah. The Bill Cosby Fresh Out of Jail tour. I'm just is, is he going back out? I heard he's going back out. Somebody was telling and I and I read about it too, like promoters were trying to book him for venues and there's like, the woman in me is like no, don't, don't even partake in that. Don't pay attention to it at all. Right. But the comedian in me is like, if he talk about anything in prison, it's probably going to be hilarious. <laughs> That's fascinating. Are you able to see this is where you get into the artist versus their behavior. Mm -hmm. Like it has changed me. I don't want to hear him try to be funny. I don't want to. It has influenced, you know, I, I can't separate the two. You know, yeah. and I, I don't think I should. Yeah, but we, but this nation has done it so many times. You know, we got uh, Jefferson on the money. Yep. It's a lot of black Jeffersons. Yeah, it's true. But that was the nature of the beast then. That's not somebody I would want to meet. If I could resurrect people, I wouldn't want to resurrect Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, but that is completely understandable. Because <laughs> I, I'm afraid. I'm try to resurrect uh, Jesus first. <laughs> yeah, Jesus first, then Jefferson. Yeah, no, then yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor. That's somebody else I've always wanted to meet. Yeah, no, nobody's perfect though, and we all have sins. We're all like uh, imperfect creatures, um, and it, I really feel like it's not up to us to judge everybody. Yeah. That man did contribute a lot to our society. A lot of black people went to college because of the shows mm -hmm. he created. A lot of black men are really good fathers because they watched him, you know, on TV. They, uh, yeah. well, the appearance of what a good father is. So, I mean, uh, I just. It's a very hard pill to swallow. Yeah. I don't want to swallow. Yeah. I don't want to swallow. That's, no, I, I, I think, I don't care who you are. What he was doing was just absolutely horrendous. It's atrocious. Atrocious, horrendous. It's disgusting. And, uh, and, and I wonder if it happened to him in jail. I don't think so. You don't think they might have got a little of that? No, I don't think so. Cosby pudding. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I don't think they got up in his, in his booty hole. You don't think they got in his booty hole? I just wonder. I mean. I'll never, what, I I'll friends, never think of Cosby pudding again. <laughs> I, had, I had friends in prison. You know, I dated dope dealers. And they say when somebody comes to jail for any kind of rape, Mm -hmm. Of any sort, yeah, that it happens to them. Yeah, they take care of they take care of things. Yeah, I mean, he did walk a little different when he came out of there. I just wonder. No. I need to stop thinking about it. It ain't none of my damn business what happened to that man's asshole. But <laughs> I feel like that's good. Like you know, it's good. funny because I had a list here of things I wanted to ask you, <laughs> and number seventy-seven is what do you think happened to Cosby's asshole? <laughs> And so I can cross that off. I would, I, but could you imagine if there, if something did happen? There's one guy in jail that's like, I've had that Cosby ass. And I'm going to tell you he's gross. <laughs> like, 
Like, He's going to talk. I'm that... oh, sorry. My brain is <laughs> disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was a phone sex operator for 30 days. It's a, I'm oh, really? A little disgusting. Yeah. Hey, could I make it in that business, phone sex operator? You would make so much money. You would make so much. The men that worked, first of all, we are literally two buildings down from where I worked as a phone sex operator. And right now, in, yeah, this, right co- now. in this podcast studio. In this we're in this studio, yeah. right? Yeah. But like three, four buildings down on a corner, I worked as a phone sex operator. We it was like a big phone bank yep. situation. And there were um, a lot of women that worked there, most of them uh former inmates, uh out of jail. And at that time this was like the late nineteen hundreds, is nineteen hundred and ninety eight. Mm-hmm. And um it was it was very hard to get a job once you come out of prison, right? But it's very easy to get a phone sex operator job. And there were three dudes that worked there. They were the top paid people that worked there. They made the most money um, on this phone sex operator line. Some of them would sound like women, make their voice like women. Some of them just make their voice like a regular dude and they would be talking to other men. And oh, be, oh, so I'd be talking to men. You'd be talking to men and oh, women. okay. You'd be talking to whoever gets patched in on your line. Yeah. And, uh, I think I'd be okay. I'm a pretty good improviser. I can go with a scenario. Yeah, you can go with a scenario. So like um, the, the caller would call in. First of all, to get the job, they would have you read a script. Mm-hmm. And as long as you could read the whole script, you're good to go. Okay. You don't have to sound super sexy. It's good if you sound sexy and horny and all that stuff. But you don't have to sound like that. Right. Because um, I, I don't, I don't think I like... would never necessarily sound <laughs> sexy and horny. I, I, I think you you sound like it now. No, I sound constipated. But that's sexy and horny. Because you're constipated with semen. See? You're constipated with semen, see? Right. Yeah. I think I would be, uh, and I, I, you would probably coach me and I would do great. Can you make a girl voice? Um, yeah. Is that perfect? Yeah. 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 And we could do like a party line together. Yeah. Yeah. What's real. your name? My name's Kara. Okay, Kara. Yeah. My name's Patricia. Oh, hi, Patricia. You sound so hot. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, you're hot. so hot. Who's yeah. the, we have a caller. Hey, caller. Hey, caller. It's hi. Hi. What's your name? What's your name? My name's Lance. Ooh, Lance. Lance. You're going to pierce something, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have anyone there constipated with semen? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Kara's constipated. I'm very constipated because oh, of the semen. Back. Oh, you boy. hear how her voice is trembling? That's because yeah. she's so excited. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. sound like you live in Pasadena. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would be terrible at this. No, no, no. Kara, Kara, uh-huh. tell them what you look like, Kara. Um, I'm six four. Ooh, oh, yeah. wow. Like I'm, a model. Yeah. Oh, I'm five and, two. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm, uh, you could climb her. Oh, yeah. Wow. I have redhead with uh, oh, freckles. Fire crotch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm like, a fireman. Oh, well, you'll put this fire out, I hope. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kara, yeah. Kara, tell them how big your tits are. Yeah, uh, tell me, Kara. Kara, I'd love to know how big your tits are because typically I'm a grab right, suck left, but I want to tell you. Damn it, we're all working off the same playbook. <laughs> but that's how you do it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, w- I want to make sure I, I talk about this uh, before we go, because okay. this is, we've been messing around a lot and actually talking about, I think, uh, a lot of fascinating stuff. But the thing that you're doing, and, and I absolutely love this, you're defined to f- people to figure out what you're going to do next. You're saying, because it'd be very easy for you to fall into a, a slot of, this is what Tiffany Haddish does. And with this new film, The Card Counter, 
you're saying you're going to see me as an actor. I think I've invested enough money in acting classes Mm -hmm. that I can do damn near anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not too concerned about what others may think like, oh, I don't know if that's going to work for Tiffany. I don't know. Really, I mean, it's very against who she is. Well, fucker, who I am is one thing and my ability to do something else is a whole nother thing. And like, I'm getting ready to hit y'all with some Shakespeare in a minute. I'm going to be talking on a thee, thou, these. Mm-hmm. Them, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning French. I'm always going to do stand-up comedy. I'll be 80 years old, no teeth, because I did so much crack. Uh, it's still telling jokes, right? <laughs> well, but, you love it. You love an audience so much. Uh, and but I I'm have looking to... forward to doing live shows on Broadway one day, you know. But I mean, but but to me, the fact that you have proven time and time again and 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 with your latest movie. You're showing people that no, that that it's a completely different skill set, locking eyes with Oscar Isaac and doing a scene and making it real and and bringing that to life in a completely different atmosphere than the one you came up with. Right. It's not easy. I mean, it is, but it's so, it's not. Like, um, I'm so used to doing comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm doing drama, I feel a little bit bored Mm -hmm. because I'm so used to like thinking, how can I flip it? How can I, what can I do to tickle their soul? How do I penetrate their spirit now? Because I think that's what comedy is. You're like tickling someone's soul. You're you're sharing a like vibration. And in drama, I feel like it's like everybody's watching, but we ain't really laughing. We we just watching. And so, um, but I want like everyone to be involved. So in this movie, it was easy, but it was. My ego, it was hard. Because my ego wanted to be like, (laughs) (laughs) hey, the crew isn't laughing. (laughs) Come on, let's get the crew laughing. The crew seems like they're bored as fuck. Come on, come on. And uh, it's funny because, like, we would do the scene. It was like my ego was screaming to say say something funny, do something. This is this is heavy. It's we're bored, right? And I'm sticking to what you know, Paul Schrader. I mean, it's freaking Paul Schrader. It's Paul Schrader. We're gonna do what he asks. It's cat people, man. It's my it's my guy, right? And I'm sticking to what he wants, and then he'll say cut, and I'll wait like a like a whole long beat, and then I'll crack a joke. That's for my ego to hear the, the just to hear the crew laugh, and to also shake that off. Sure, a little bit, and then Oscar's always like, Tiffany, you're like you're like Jesus. I just want to follow you around. I'm like, really, or do I make you horny? <laughs> uh, probably, probably both. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I doubt it. Uh, I doubt the honey part, but definitely we laughed a lot in between scenes. Mm-hmm. In between, because I need, I my ego needed that, and so I got some. I still got things I got to work on. It's something about the sound of laughter for me. That's really my drug. Like, yeah. to, like hearing you laugh today. Oh yeah. Boy, oh man. I better do. I just gonna make this good for me for like three days. Well, that's great. You know what I'll do? I'll make a recording. <laughs> really? Oh, wait, wait, we're doing it. We're doing it. You but, can wake up to it, and com- and Common and will be like, "Turn that fucking thing off." But it's like my favorite well, thing it's in the seven. World. It's seven thirty. <laughs> no, but my alarm used to be babies laughing. Oh, I used that's to great. make my alarm that's be great. babies laughing. It's it's when I'm really depressed. That's like that's the that's the way I wake up to get my. Because you got to reprogram, man. You got to reprogram. Depression is just uh, bad programming. 
Well, I I have just ah boy. I love you too. And no, I'm serious. I I love talking to you. I love, I love you. I too. love talking to you. Uh, your energy is infectious. I think if I came into this interview with any disease in my body, it's gone now. Yes. Um, I seriously, I I if I had one wish, it's that I could get in a time machine and go back to when you were at a low point when you were 15 or 20 and appear before you as a weird, tall, you vague, did. Uh, <laughs> woman and just tell no and just tell you tell you everything's going to be so great for you, you know, and then, uh, and then disappear because I, I hate, I hate hearing about you, uh, being in pain and, um, being afraid and having a hard time when you were young, but I also know that's, that's why you're here and you're so amazing. Exactly. It made yeah. me strong. I think, I think growing up, I think your childhood years and teen years are probably the most actual difficult time of your life. While some people are like, oh, my 20s were horrible and my 30s. But really, I think being a kid is the most difficult time because you have no power. You have no power. No yeah. power to make anything change. Yep. And that's and no say so no. And, and I think about that little girl a lot. And I just, you know, I celebrate her as much as possible. And I still cry about it sometimes because, um, shit, I can't hug me. I mean, I hug me. But I can't go if I could. I heard the Catholic Church has a time machine. Yes. You heard about this time machine? At the no, I haven't heard that specifically, but I heard about they have all machine. kinds of stuff at the Vatican. <laughs> I heard there's a time machine there. And I've been trying to make friends, even though I'm Jewish. I'm still trying to make the right Catholic friends so that I can jump in that time machine. Trust me, I'm very Catholic. And if you, I will find that time machine for you. Let's find it. We'll go back and- um, Let's and, do and Con- we'll, Conan and Tiff's excellent adventure. Yeah, we'll get in the time machine. We'll go back and we'll take uh, 12-year-old uh, Tiffany out for ice cream and we'll show her uh, just how incredibly successful she becomes. That 12-year-old Tiffany will try to fight us. <laughs> she will not fuck with us. Well, maybe you we, talk to her first. We're gonna have to show up. She not gonna. She not gonna trust me neither. She's gonna be like, "Bitch, you got them all, but I don't trust you." <laughs> she not gonna trust. Me. What's what's twelve year old Timmy gonna do when a when a six foot four orange haired man jumps out of like a vortex? She's gonna be like, "Are you my social worker?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tiffany, uh, you're an absolute delight and. And Thank and, and uh, I'm just congratulations on everything. I'm so 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 happy for you, and you deserve everything you have times a million. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Crunch. This has meaning for me, okay? Because I grew up as a child obsessed. My brothers and I were obsessed with sugar cereals. We loved Captain Crunch, and then when they came out with Captain Crunch and Crunch Berries, oh. I just, it was like Oppenheimer. (laughs) I saw a white light and I knew that life had changed forever. And true story, I was just back in Boston visiting my brother, Neil, and not kidding. He is two years older than me. We are grown ass adults. What do we do? We sit down at our kitchen table in Brookline, Mass., and we both crack open a box of Captain Crunch with Crunch oh Berries. Oh my God. And we had it together, multiple bowls. And I was so happy. Oh, it's nice that you have that. It really is. Break away from the ordinary with Captain Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. Everyday life can be stressful, but I've got to tell you, it's just such a sense memory for me. Not just original Captain Crunch, which is great. Then, oops, all berries yeah, they came up with. I remember that. Usually I don't eat foods that have oops in the title. <laughs> 
But when they came up with Oops All Berries, I was there. Peanut butter. Oh my God, peanut butter crunch is fantastic. It turns the milk into this cool peanut butter milk. I love it. Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture. That's a word now. Buy Captain Crunch's new cinnamon crunch now at a retailer near you and learn more at captaincrunch.com. Neil, we made it! <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to that do helps. anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. Hey, Conan, you know, at the end of every interview with a guest, we flash you a rap sign, usually through the studio window, right? That's true, yes. That happens because I text Sam and Sam flashes it to you, but Sam has taken it upon himself to create something rather special to do this instead of holding up a paper. So Sam, take it away. Now, normally when he texts me, I stand up and I wave the paper frantically in a way that startles you (laughs) and and the guest. Yes, Uh, what I will say... And I'm not criticizing you, uh, Sam, because you're just a guy trying to do his job, mm-hmm. trying to do what he was told and probably not giving it a lot of thought. Well, um, <laughs> But anyway, what you've been doing is you write on a giant legal pad uh-huh. in uh, Sharpie, rap, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you wave it around as if it's on fire. Insane. And what happens is I've noticed the guests think that you're telling me to wrap it because it's too boring. It looks like you're saying, cut it off, Whatever cut it subject off. I wave it on, it seems like that's the offensive. Yes, and subject. I look over and I see the light go out of their eyes. Yeah. We lose the momentum. They think they failed because someone's clearly telling me, uh, let's cut our losses and get out now. Yes. Okay, so after the Michael Keaton episode, I went home, rewatched Batman, and see if this resonates with you. You would obviously be Batman, Gourley would be your Robin, Sona would be your Joker, David is either Superman or Jimmy Olsen. Oh. Right? Definitely Jimmy Olsen. Aaron's your Two-Face, yeah. Will is the Riddler, Adam Sachs, is, who's the guy from Popeye that's always trying to get hamburgers? Oh, Wimpy. Oh, Wimpy? Yeah. Wimpy, Wimpy. Wimpy. <laughs> yeah. And then I would be Alfred, so I made you a cocoa signal to light up now across the wall there instead of me waving a piece of paper. See that light in the shape of your hair? When that- Where? I don't see it. Across the wall. When that lights up- Oh, that! Where you can see, but the guest cannot. Yes! That's that's time to wrap it up. That's perfect. Because I can see it, but the guest can't. That's correct. You have color options too. Ooh, there's red. It's red. And now it's uh, sort of a teal and pink. 
This is fantastic. Now, I know you, there's green. Here's the problem. I know you, Sam. Mm -hmm. You're going to turn the light on and then 30 seconds later, if I'm still (laughs) in the middle of an amazing anecdote with a huge A-list star, you're going to stand up and start waving your hands frantically (laughs) and pointing towards the light. Even better. After that, I can make it pulse. Whoa. Look at that. So that means like extremely wrap it up or that you're bombing. Wow. Jeez. I love that Batman, when his signal goes off, it's a plea to help the city. Yes. When yours goes off, it's to please stop talking. Yeah. My 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 bat signal is stop yapping. Please stop coming to Gotham. Um, that's a great system. And, you know, you Sam, I, I thank you. And I'm sorry if it sounded like I was putting you down earlier. You seem like a very bright and capable man who probably, again, as I said before, uh, just was, for some reason, being very thoughtless at a crucial point. Yeah, I think that's a good definition to me. Thoughtless at crucial points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, waving a legal pad uh, frantically at Michael Keaton, one of the biggest- uh, And you, you left know. a piece off. It says wrap up per gorly too. So no matter what I do, it pins it on Matt. Uh, yeah, it's always uh, nice to put in a little uh, legalisms per gorly <laughs> uh, <laughs> in tiny letters. Uh, no, this is great. I love your, your signal. And my eye is always drawn to anything that looks like me. So the fact that yes. it's a Conan caricature that then uh, lights up and pulses is fantastic. Yeah. So when you say the shape of your hair light up, it's time you're needed. You know, I do take the rap signal with a grain of salt because I know that you're just letting me know that about an hour has gone by. Oh yeah, in no way does this mean I think you'll wrap it up. Right, you should know, but yeah. anyone who knows me mm-hmm. knows if, they've, if you've ever been to a party with me and I'm telling a couple of my classic Hollywood tales from behind the scenes <laughs> and I've had a few glasses of Pinot Noir, you know that I'm, I'm not about to stop talking when it, it's suggested. My only fear now is that Liza, my wife, is going to get one of these (laughs) and and, and actually get like 15 of them and position them around the house. And God forbid one of my kids gets the remote control for that. (laughs) We need to talk to them, Sam. We we can start selling these things. Are you kidding? They'd pay top dollar. Yeah. My my son is just now, who's 15, is just now realizing that if there's an adult gathering of people around a table and we're all chatting, that if he comes in and starts selling me out, and talking about ways that I've fumbled, bumbled, and stumbled around the house, or in any way been kind of an ass or a fool, he knows that those kill with house guests. They just love it. (laughs) And so he'll come in and uh, start selling me out on those kind of stories, getting huge laughs. And I'm just sitting there and it's my son. I'm not allowed, I guess we're not allowed to hit them anymore. You just have to take it. Well, that's as good a time as ever to flash the rap signal. (laughs) No, no, no. I want to talk more about- The light's on. I like hitting children. There, I got it out. (laughs) (laughs) Every time we're afraid. Listeners, you can see this uh, flashing Conan rap signal on the Team Coco podcast Instagram. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. 
Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.